This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel McCorkett-Cleaner. Hello, Gary, and love our podcasters. <laughs> I think you're out of breath. You ran in late, Lance. <laughs> Shame. You come from Pretoria. Yeah. Uh, it's good, good to see you. Thank you. On today's show, Lance, we're exploring whether the maintenance system is living up to your expectations or is it in disarray? Yeah. Gary, that's a very t- touchy uh, subject, especially given the fact that many children in our country grow up without actually having both parents raising them. And mm. in some cases, when they... Unfortunate circumstances come into play where there's divorce. Many of them become very spiteful where the children are caught in between the lines. Mm. Lines, our guests today know all about what's going on in the maintenance courts. And uh, let me introduce them. First up, Craig Bailey. He's a specialist family law attorney of Johannesburg. Welcome to you, Craig. Thank you, Gary. And then joining Craig is Brian Mallory who knows of the runaround uh, his partner, I think, was given in the maintenance courts. He knows all about it. He also has a company called S4, the number 4cloud.co.za. He's designed software to assist you in maintenance matters. We're mm. going to give him a minute or so to explain that to us. Welcome to you, Brian. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Cool. Now to our main guest today. She's flown up from Cape Town. She's here with her little bag. And uh, we are delighted uh, to to welcome her. She is... Felicity Guest, and she heads up an NGO for maintenance issues. It is known as, quote, Child Maintenance Difficulties in South Africa. Wow. Uh, with a very vocal Facebook membership of close to 50,000. And uh, if Felicity and this group, with all their contacts, have their way, you are warned. Yeah, hey, hey, when I pass off the soft right? <laughs> no, that's yeah. a brilliant. Uh, what is it? Quieto? Uh, I don't know what genre. It's some do pass up uh, featuring oh. fresh. Oh, great! Yeah. It hasn't, it's had thirteen hundred views on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, pass up for this group known as Child Maintenance Difficulties in South Africa. They're taking the system on by the scruff of the necklines. Great. And they're hoping to bring about positive changes. We await those. Now, on the other hand, what about the deadbeat Papgeld X, who has the complete murin with his ex-wife, and when asked by the magistrate to sum up why he doesn't pay maintenance, he replies, I'll have to sum it up this way, she could turn a straight man gay, she <laughs> Yeah, she only bitches when she breathes. Eight thousand two hundred views on YouTube. A funny country song for you, lines. Oh yeah. 
Cool. Let's give out our Facebook uh, details. It's the Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. Lionel always says. Oh, well, it can touch. Uh, you can touch base with us on Twitter at Hetzlaw, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. Yeah, Lionel's been doing this for three years and he still can't remember Hertzlaw. Our uh, partner today is Legal Talk South Africa with its gigantic Facebook membership. Uh, have a look at theirs. Yes. And also to Felicities, uh, they're, both, they're both very powerful. Certainly. Cool. Lines, let's, uh, let's talk to Felicity. She's flown up from Cape Town. She knows all about what's going on in the maintenance courts because she's been a victim herself of uh, maintenance problems. Have you? Yes, I have. Um, I entered the underbelly of the justice system eight years ago when my ex divorced me fraudulently through the Pretoria High Court. And went through the process of having that set aside because while that was in place, I couldn't claim maintenance mm. because there were no children, according to my divorce. Really? How so many kids did you have? I have five. So how did he divorce you without you knowing about it? Well, it's through, apparently through a syndicate that um, knows how to avoid the family advocate's office. So there's no children. The address was an open piece of land in Pretoria somewhere was my residential address. Were you actually finally divorced without you knowing about it? And was it official? While I was trying to serve papers, there. oh, yes, it went through the Pretoria High Court. Yeah. So, so he walked around as a divorced man with the, without the obligation of having to pay anything. Correct, and got engaged. And really? <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at this, but, <laughs> I mean, has it happened to others? Or? Apparently, at the time, yeah. um, I threatened to chain myself to the Pretoria High Court building because I wanted to see the presiding judge and to ask him how he could um, grant the divorce because as a layperson I could see that the documents were fraudulent. The dates didn't correlate with anything. I was thrown out of the police station when I went to go and lay a criminal charge and that's how I ended up at the high court. I suppose when thinking about it, Craig, it's not that difficult. You serve a summons. Well, it's got to be personal service for a divorce. How do they get the sheriff to give a a service that it was served personally? I can tell you. Yeah, how did they do it? Well, apparently myself and my ex-husband went into the sheriff's office in Pretoria, and apparently I signed for it. I produced oh. my ID, and I signed for it, apparently. What happened to that mm. sheriff who gave that false return? Well, we're waiting for the results of the trial. Um, I did report it to the sheriff's board, but mm. um, the sheriff that I complained about actually sat on the board. So I insisted on an independent person. It gets worse, yeah. <laughs> who came on, but they can't rule on it until there's a verdict from the trial, which mm. we're still waiting to go to trial. Finally. So sorry, are you, what happened to your so-called divorce? Was it set aside? I did have it set aside. And then you, you got back as, as married as such, and then he had married another woman in the meantime? No, he hadn't married her, but oh. I did send her an email eventually going, please don't mm. plan your wedding because he's still married to me. So I'll let you mm. know. He's a liar. So yeah. I'll let you know when I am divorced and then you can get married to him. <laughs> Strange story. Okay, so now you, you got back and you remained a married couple. Correct. Did you, did you, you obviously divorced him properly afterwards. I did, but he mm. frustrated it because he mm. wanted me to sign a confidentiality clause. To say what? Well, to shut me up. Confidentiality in what respect? That I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't talk about anything. So did you? No. I went to 702. I went to Nose Week. 
You haven't come to us. This is this is the big one. Okay, but that was a long time ago. Yes, that that was seven and a half years ago. Okay, so so I have been divorced now. Eventually, he gave up because he realised I wasn't going to give up. And what happened to the maintenance for the kids? Well, I got quite excited because I thought at least I would then get maintenance. Three of my children were still minors at the time, so I thought this is fantastic. At least I'll get maintenance because he actually punished me. By withholding maintenance And he was blatant mm. enough to say so in his emails Not very happy with you I'm not going to give you maintenance You personally or the kids? No, well, obviously the kids But oh. it was direct, directed at me Yeah, Were you working at the time of your during the marriage? I had a hobby that eventually generated enough income mm. That gave me the courage to ask for a divorce Up until then I was a housewife Because my son nearly died My mm. handicapped son was really ill and he nearly died So, mm. And having five kids at one stage My five kids were at five different schools mm. So... Um, I tried to, he then defaulted. He never offered maintenance. He didn't stick to the order ones. So mm. I then started going to maintenance. Was court. he a businessman with, with an income? Um, with self, a good income? Self-employed. self-employed. Mm. Those are the dangerous ones. Yes, absolutely. Those self-employed guys. Mm. What kind of business was it? Or is it? Um, he's in the mining industry. Okay. How did you live when you, when you were married? On a, on a high, on a high standard or? Um, I, my neighbor was Raymond Ackerman. Oh really? Okay. Uh, a long period of time. Is that right? Eh? <laughs> yeah. Mm. He didn't. He didn't get the residence fraudulently, did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then. So I mean, you lived like like kings. kings no, we didn't queens. live like kings. It yeah. was an eager thing that he yeah. had to have the correct address. I promise you, we lived a very modest life. Mm. But my kids were at private schools. Mm. But we didn't go overseas on holiday. I've never been overseas. We really lived a very modest life, the, for me anyway. Mm. I don't know what he did because I don't actually know who I was married to anymore. <laughs> How long were you married for? 21 years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, you look so young, don't you? Yeah. Okay. So you eventually got divorced with an, an order that he pay maintenance? Correct. And he didn't pay? He, no. he just didn't pay? He just didn't pay. So what did you do? So eventually I was facing eviction. Um, mm. And... I then approached the maintenance court and I set those benches warm. I did have an advocate who came on board who represented me pro bono because he felt sorry for me when he heard about my fraudulent divorce and my circumstances. Mm. My attorney had also represented me pro bono, not initially, but when it took a turn, then he obviously realized that this is going south and I'd never afford it. Mm. He didn't. That was at the end. He sent me a bill of five and a half thousand rands and that was only hard costs. Mm. So, um, yeah, so I sat those benches warm and there was just uh, no results. Where was this? In Cape Town? In Cape Town. In the Cape, Cape Town itself? Not, not the main yeah. court. It okay. was um, uh, one the court, yeah. Okay. And I just never got anywhere. Then it was to serve papers to bring him to court and he lived in Johannesburg. Mm. So to get him to court, they said to me, um, you go and serve the summons. So I said, okay, give it to me. I'll do it. Mm. They said, but you've got four days because this is the courts are closing, whatever, whatever. I got a friend who worked for SAA and got the papers up here. I got a friend here to pick the papers up, go to SAPS, serve it on him. They sent it back to me the next day. It was a turnaround time of three days that I got the summons in Cape Town, had it delivered in Johannesburg. and So it can be done. Well, out yeah. of desperation, that's yeah. what you do. It shouldn't yeah. be. My, shouldn't have been my job. Yes. It sh- that is a court's function. Well, this is something we're going to talk about. Uh, who's, who's, I mean, what is happening? Are people forced to do it themselves? Mm. More so today. 
Yeah. Just about, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but on my group, it's a common thing. I was given the papers to go and serve. Because for us, it's the only way that we have certainty that the papers have been served or not. Because otherwise you wait three, three months for a court date, mm. you get there, you spend the whole day there. Only to be told at three o'clock in the afternoon, sorry, there's no return of service. Okay, so the maintenance officer has clerks that, that are supposed to serve these things. Is, is that how it works? No, Craig, how does no. it work? <clears throat> Depends on the process, but generally um, the South African police services have to serve criminal summons. Mm. They also serve the directives upon the parties to attend at court. Mm. But as we've just heard very frequently, if you want it done, you have to do it yourself, unfortunately. Is that is that how you see it being done in practice? Well, if you want to make sure that yeah. it takes place, that's what you have to do. Do you use the the sheriffs of the court that charge a fee for doing these yeah, things? Very frequently. Yeah. Is that, how, is that how people are listening and they're not quite sure? Mm. You use the sheriff, and you, you pay him a fee for it, three, four hundred rand, whatever it may be. Sure, but if yeah. you want the thing done, you have to make sure and take it into your own hands to yes. make sure that it gets done. Otherwise, it will get lost. Does the maintenance officer give you the actual summons, calling the person to court, the first summons? The Do they give it to you, and they say, you take it to the sheriff and get it served? Generally, it's the clerk, yes. the maintenance clerk, who gives the directive to you if yes. it's for an inquiry. Mm. And you only see the maintenance officer on the first occasion that you arrive at court on the date specified in the uh, directive. Yes. Okay, so the advice is take it and take it to the sheriff of the court. Uh, do people know which sheriff to take it to, or are they advised by the by so, the clerk? Sorry, Gary, that's yeah. problematic for me. Yes. Because well, we, I've seen it on my group, where members, one, have had to go and deliver it into a different province. Mm. Besides that... There is a history of abuse. Certainly. So when they pick up the summons, they go to SAPS. First of all, you are abused at SAPS because that's, they don't want to be doing this. Okay? Mm-hmm. It takes them away from crime fighting. Mm. They then take this, they go with you to go and deliver the directive. Whose car do you use generally? Well, if you arrive on public transport, they will take you. And if you arrive if we're in a car, do you take your own car? I'm not too sure. I think they mm. might follow you. No, they don't. Uh, they actually just say in the event that they were to get into an accident, mm. SAPS will not be liable. Mm. So as a result, they actually prefer going into a van or a, a state-owned uh, uh, vehicle. Okay. Yes. And when they get there, a lot of my members have been abused mm. by the person that they're trying to serve it on mm-hmm. or the family. One of my members was actually beaten up. And when she went back to the police, and, and he refused to sign it, so she went back to the police station, she came back, it's wrong. Mm. It's wrong. You can't assume that it's going to go well all the time. So yeah. when, when with the regulations, you've got to take worst-case scenario into account. If you can afford it, get the sheriff of the court mm. and pay him his fee. And that's his job. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's if do you that. can't, I mean, if you're one of those poor people that just are desperate for the maintenance to survive, you have to use the police. Yeah, uh, you've got to just grin and bear. Mm-hmm. Is that how the system works? Exactly, yes. Okay. So we, we're, we're as, as complainants, are taking on functions of the Department of Justice. Well, and, isn't, and that, isn't that happening all over the place? There are many functions that the mm-hmm. state should offer that we're forced to pay for. Private schooling and yeah, but and so these on are so. people that have got no resources, that are being forced to find the resources mm. in order to try to try and get financial assistance for their children. Mm. You started this group, child maintenance difficulties, and you have fifty thousand members, Facebook members, close to. How did this happen? 
Okay, so last year, yeah. I started this four years ago as a result of my own journey. I extended mm. the invitation to my immediate friends on Facebook mm. because I wondered if I'm battling and I have resources, what is everyone else doing? Mm. Yeah. So, and also I made a commitment to pay it forward because I was fortunate enough to get pro bono. Mm. With all my experience, I wanted to pay it forward. Yes. So I started the group and it grew slowly in the beginning. January last year, we were at 5,700 members. Mm. So from January last year to today, mm. we have exploded. Um, Which is very sad because yeah, it, it's not a very positive, it's a great group. Mm. But it's not as a result of positivity. It's negativity that's yeah. brought people together. Correct. And everyone is clubbing together because they can't get action out of the system. Is that, is that really what's happening yeah. here? And also they, yeah. they can't afford legal assistance. Mm. Okay, so if they can't afford legal assistance, how do you help them? Well, one, we inform them of their rights. Mm. It was quite surprising because I'm the kind of person I will find out what my rights are. Yes. And that's how I got through it, mm. demanding my rights. So it became – I was quite surprised that people just didn't know their rights. You know, they would go there and they would be, be treated badly and being told the biggest load of hogwash and they would just accept it and walk away. Mm. But So what we do, it became important for me to – but that's empowerment. I'm very big on empowerment. Mm. So part of that process is to inform you of your rights because let's admit we've got a fantastic constitution, but mm. it's not worth anything if we don't know what they are. Mm. So we, inf we inform our members of their constitutional rights to get to know the Maintenance Act, um, download it, highlight the parts that are pertinent to you, and take it to court with you so that you've got quick reference. What's going wrong, very simply, in this maintenance system? Okay, I believe that it's always been bad, and there's never really been an acknowledgement of the different layers. Okay, mm. so you can say certain systems aren't working, but there's many layers to this that has not been recognized and dealt with. Yes. So one is the, the, the legal process. But underneath all of that, look, reasonable people who have a moral compass will not end up in the maintenance court. They probably don't even need a maintenance agreement because they're acting in the best interest of the child. So they're going to, out of a moral duty, they're going to resolve it and act in the best interest of the child. Is that few and far between? How many? What percentage of people actually that get divorced or have children together sit down and work it out without lawyers, without maintenance officers? Craig, do you have any idea? I don't it's, believe it's how long is a piece of string? Yeah. Well, I don't believe there are any statistics for that specific mm. um, issue. Yes. But I can vouch for this. The people in the maintenance court are not the reasonable people. Mm. It's the unreasonable mm. non-payers who generally be, are brought to court. So if you look at that behavior pattern, so mm -hmm. the, this is my analysis. One, it is unresolved conflict, mm. which could be from a place of pain. Personality disorders. Mm. Because who in their right mind has spent a portion of time being part of children's lives and interacting with them every day, very aware of what it costs to raise the children, suddenly at the point of the end of the relationship, whether it's by divorce or moving on to another relationship, how do you suddenly not know what children entail to bring them up? Mm. How do you suddenly, where you were spending... 
a reasonable amount on your children to suddenly saying, sorry, you can't afford more than 500 rand. Mm. Yes. You know, so who are you punishing? I think they ultimately are trying to punish the ex-partner and by default are denying the, the children their constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. So if you're aware of that, and that's where I, I think our judiciary has failed because when somebody goes into court, so there's a lot of domestic violence and abuse that these people carry. So when they go into the court, that is not even recognized. So you see the intimidation happen when the respondents arise with legal representation. So the, um, the claimant has no financial resources. So she arrives there not really knowing her rights, really intimidated in anticipation like what is going to happen today. And the ex gives her one look. She immediately becomes defensive and the, mm. is triggered. Mm. And then the intimidation starts with the legal representative. My experience and my own personal experience as well and, and the, the replies from the group is so they get into the maintenance office and the maintenance officer is not strong enough and he's not trained in sensitivity training to pick up these nuances. He, the, the, the legal representative is normally a stronger personality. He's a boom boom at, uh, divorce Correct. attorney. So yeah, he, he's bullies, about, yeah, he bullies yeah. the maintenance officer. The yeah. maintenance officer then is not representing the claimant because it is a state against the respondent mm. and the f- it becomes a biased outcome in favor of the person who has the finances to take legal representation. How do you see these maintenance officers? Are they weak? Are they overworked? Are they just tired? Is the, is the, what should happen? Probably what, what, all of those. Yeah. I think that um, they're overwhelmed because there's a mm. moratorium on the replacement of staff, and that's been in place for two years. Mm. So the caseload is tripled, probably mm. more than that. Mm. And for them, they're probably just trying to get the cases out of court as quickly as yeah, possible. Yeah, like, like a sausage machine, just get the, the yeah. get the people in and out as quickly so as possible. So there's can. that, and I don't yeah. believe that they're sufficiently trained mm. because – my members go there and they go, this is my right. And they go, oh, no, that isn't. And they go, mm. Well, here it is. And they show them. And then they become arrogant and they go, are you trying to tell me how to do my job? Mm. Yes. Mm. So um, how do you expect one person, how many, what's their caseload? Thousands, hundreds. So, so yeah. Gary, Brian, if, yeah, if, you want to take. Yeah. If, if we look at uh, the Randburg Magistrates Court mm. for the month of May, there mm. were 68 maintenance cases that were, um, put through the court, but 68 maintenance cases weren't processed in the court. And the reason why is because of a whole host of problems. Um, firstly, the, the actual process starts manually with paper and, and uh, manila binders, right? Yeah. So you walk into these... The old docket kind yes, of stuff. Yes, yeah. so you walk yeah. into these offices and it's like a bomb's gone off in there mm. um, because there's just all of these uh, these dockets everywhere papers everywhere um and and they they themselves have got a lot of frustrations because uh of a lack of resources mm. so the reason why the not all 68 uh maintenance cases were processed is because if you look at the uh, the maintenance officer there she doesn't have a laptop or a pc on her desk right then for the people that do have those type of facilities available to them um the type of programs that they're using are old. They outdated. are they yeah. are outdated. You can't actually log on to the system properly. Mm. Everything hangs, and because it, 
the system is overwhelmed, let alone the staff, um, it, and it, it inevitably crashes. And it, mm. and I ask them, and it takes, it takes over an hour to, to log a case onto the system. Mm-hmm. And, and these are the basic details. And then there's, there's bigger problems, um, over, over and above that. And having experienced going into, to court and often, uh, arriving there and, and finding that information is missing you know specifically with maintenance because it's it's such a a personal thing because it involves your children Mm. um people are extremely emotionally triggered and the very first thing that goes through your mind is that the other party has has passed a bribe somewhere so that the paperwork doesn't appear Mm. and maybe occasionally that might happen but because of the actual way things are done, it's very easy for one of those manila folders to fall over the back of the desk and, mm. and get lost into, you know, oblivion. Mm. And and there's the maintenance cases, there's the divorce cases, all of these documents are, are flowing to and fro. So so the actual way in which they're working is is extremely challenging. And then there's also the amount of staff. So there used to be two maintenance officers at the Randburg uh, Magistrate Courts. Unfortunately, one of them passed away, and that that vacant position wasn't uh, filled again. Now what's happened is you've got one person doing two people's work under extremely difficult circumstances. And over and above that, what's now happened is, is the, the jurisdiction of Randburg has increased as well. Mm-hmm. So now it includes Cosmo City, it includes Diplert, and I think there's another one as well. Um, and so... It's, it's just a, millions a, of people within yeah, that jurisdiction. It's a very mm. challenging situation for for the staff there, um, you know, over and above all the, the other problems. You know, I hate I hate having a show just bitching about something because it it's kind of counterproductive. It gets us nowhere. But mm. um, from from bitching about something as we are today, which is good, goodness will come out of this because we need to change things. Yes, and we, and if we can, and I know. Uh, Felicity, you had a high-level meeting in Pretoria last week. Correct, yeah. Tell us about that and what's, what you're trying to do. Okay, yeah. so I wrote a letter to the president in April. and Which president was it? Then? Cyril Ramaphosa. Yeah. And that was in response to his Sona speech where he said that women and children will become a priority to him. Mm-hmm. So in my logical mind, I go, well, if the head of the snake doesn't know what the problem is, how can we expect the tail to 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 fix it? Absolutely, yeah. So I sent a letter to his office, and eventually I got a reply from them. And um, I was copied from his office. What they did was they sent it to the Pretoria court manager to respond. And in my eight-page letter to the president, I quoted where our constitutional rights are being violated by the maintenance system mm. and therefore Department of Justice staff. Mm. And um, my response from the court manager was, well, thank you for starting Facebook. <laughs> all the credit. Yeah. Raw, kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. also that I must tell my members to watch DSTV channel, pay your pub cult, and they mm. will get all the legal advice they, they, they need. Mm. Well, I nearly fell off my chair. So I, I've, I managed to get his personal email address and I emailed him and I emailed the president's office going, well, thank you. This is how service you take these issues. Mm. Um, and let me just remind that court manager that a lot of the people I represent live on a grant of 410 rand. Thank you. So are you telling me that I must now go and tell them to subscribe to a pay channel? Mm-hmm. How are they going to feed their children? Mm. 
and I, I expressed my disgust. Mm. So, yeah, I'm sorry, I you, escalated yeah. it and I escalated and I escalated. Eventually it got to re, quite a reach, a high level at regional. And they're going, I'm going, they're going, can you please send us your file number? I'm going, have you not read my email? Shit. Can you please go back and read my email? I am talking about all the women who are having these difficulties. Mm. So eventually it was escalated to national level and they invited me to come for a meeting. So I went and we're not funded. So my members did a crowdfund to get me there. So I went to this meeting and it was a two-hour meeting. The best outcome I'd hoped for was for them to go, we've heard you and we are going to do something about this, a commitment from them. So by the end of that meeting, I got a lot more than that. I obviously can't say it publicly because it has to be an official announcement from them. Mm. But they said to me they would try and achieve something significant by, and they would let me know by next Friday. They came back by 11 o'clock the next day and they said, it's been approved, budget, it's on. What's on? Well, you we'll, can't have tell us yet. we'll have you to wait. We'll have to wait. But, but it's fundamental. It's it's a fundam it's it's huge progress in terms of us as society and a civil organization mm. that they've heard and that they take serious the issues that we've raised. How does the public protector fit into all this? Okay, so I in fact have lodged I took a member to the Human Rights Commission mm. and um as a result of the dep- I I had protests last year and I presented a memorandum to the Minister of Justice. Mm. Um, that was also escalated and it ended up with the Human Rights Commission. They're busy looking at it. When I took one of my members there, they said to me, they need to have, they, they admitted that our constitutional rights are, and our human rights mm. are being violated. Mm. That they would either, they would take it on and investigate or it would go over to the public protector. Mm. Because for me, to lodge a complaint against one court is not going to achieve the desired results. Mm. It is in every single court. So it needs to be a huge investigation into the process and the system and the causes and find solutions for it, which this breakthrough from last week will certainly start addressing some of the causes. The Family Advocates Office is getting more and more involved. What's that involvement? Well, I think that there's a possibility that maintenance will move over to the Family Advocates Office. Is that is that beneficial? I think so, because, you know, mm. as much as there's two separate acts and they're two separate courts, yeah. they are they related. So, this is my... So, sorry, if you want normal maintenance that you'd go to the Magistrate's Court for, you'll land up at the Family Advocates Office well, is, I, in future. Is that a... No, I think... Yeah. It, I, I'm not too sure. It might yeah. be from an oversight. Okay. Oh, you mean from, from them mm. looking after it? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Accountability. Yeah, Yeah, look, because uh, the family advocate, what they do is basically they overlook at the settlement agreement insofar as this, um, for the maintenance of the children, the well-being of the children. If it does not really look after the wellness of the children, they actually decline whatever divorce or process has to go forward. So it's actually a good thing that they actually get to be involved because they will need to see whether the maintenance is going to be reasonable enough for the child to actually live on it. But in most cases... Just to add to what she was saying, majority of these women who actually go for the maintenance, you would find that it's women who actually have got nothing. In most cases, they don't even have information, let alone money to catch a taxi to go to a magistrate court for that example. Mm. So if then they, uh, an official person can simply say, go and subscribe to a, a, a pay TV to actually get information, that for me, it's quite, uh, it's quite, okay, we can swear, mm. it's uncensored. 
it's just quite bullshit, mm. to be honest, because they've got a, a SABC, which reaches a million of South Africans. Why not actually have a program on that just so that people get to be educated about their rights and the law mm. and what is actually, uh, what sort of steps they can actually take if they're not actually happy with the outcome of the law? So that for me just shows the arrogancy of some of these officials who sit in very comfortable chairs, but when it's time for uh, for for elections, then they come and kiss our little babies in the uh, in the shacks, <laughs> and as, as as a form of PR exercise. But here, the real issues are not actually being addressed. That for me, it yeah, is I just hear you, Lance. Yeah, is the law skewed in favour of the respondent? And I think you've said it is. The, the law, I think yeah, the let's, law. Let's hear from Felicity on this one. Is 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 the respondent getting a better deal? I think it is, yes, because the onus is on the claimant to prove that either he has the means to pay yeah. or that he's defaulted and bring all the information. So in, in, uh, from my experience, how do I, how, how do I do that? Eventually, I mean, my advocate did a deed search, and while my ex was saying he can't afford it, he did a, de- uh, a search on the company's um, registrar, and there were 12 companies registered to him. Some of them were shelf companies. Now, I'm saying our experience is there's a lot of people hiding assets, people who are self-employed. They're hiding assets. How does the ordinary person who doesn't know and understand and have the resources, how do they provide all of this information to the courts? Because the default or the respondent sits in and goes, I'm unemployed. Let's talk to Brian about That's it. this. I think that your partner at the time had this very problem. Yeah. Tell us how you dealt with it. And how, give us advice on how to deal with this. Um, Gary, in, in essence, uh, what had happened was the particular situation was that her ex-husband uh, wasn't paying his full maintenance. And when he was paying, it was drips and draps. And we knew full well um, that he was living large, to, to put it mildly. Mm. Um, and so... Each time that she tried to hold him accountable, he would hit back bigger and harder, and and there'd be more and more resistance. And um, in essence, what finally happened was that there was uh, the kickback where he said, well, fine, I'll take you to court for a maintenance reduction. Yes. And that was actually beautiful because he landed up shooting himself in both feet. Mm-hmm. So, so what happened was the, the magistrate uh, had seen that in actual fact there'd been cases – beforehand and uh, and then he had requested that each party submit their last six months bank statements and then that way they can verify expenses and like what Felicity was saying that the onus is on the, the respondent usually in other words the, the, the lady to prove the, the costs of the, the living expenses of the children. So the claimant. The yeah I'd pick yeah. upon the claimant yeah. and um, so so then with the submission of the, the six months bank statements uh, what happened is, is we got this, and we could see immediately that there was there was income coming in, uh, and and he by no means was was the the poor person that he was claiming to be. Mm. So so for an hour after work every single night for just over two weeks, she read out the date, the transaction description, and the amount, and I captured it into into Excel. Mm. And basically, we we worked through this, um, and of course, Craig Bailey here was our. our Specialist uh, lawyer helping us, mm. um, and and what we did is is we then captured all of his expenses on his his check account as well as his credit card, and then we had a look at that, and the basic principle was we took 
the information at hand and, and we divvied it up into what is uh, necessary and unnecessary. Mm. And What did uh, you find? Oh, well, there was <laughs> on, on the, the limited information, because uh, there were drips and drabs, but put together, there was an average of 12,500 Rand cash withdrawals per month. Mm-hmm. Cash. Zero, zero paid in maintenance, but mm. 12,500 Rand in cash. Do you know what he used month. it for? Uh, I, I suspect a whole host of things, but I'll, I'll get into some further detail of what there was evidence of. Mm. So there was evidence of him going down on holiday over December to the coast with his girlfriend, spending 1,760 Rand at, at Red Square, which we all know it's just perfumes. Mm-hmm. And there was 1,000 Rand spent at Brown's Jewelers and Four Ways Mall, mm. uh, you know, and and eating out all the time. Mm. And we decided that it really wasn't a necessary expense to eat out every night and have drinks uh, at your five closest pubs around where you live mm. and the clubhouse in your complex. Uh, and so we, we basically presented that he was spending… So, so Brian, I'm, g- I'm going to interrupt you a sec because we've got so much to cover. Sure. The problem with the average person uh, claimant… Yeah. Is that they don't have the wherewithal to do this analysis. Sure. Um, it's some little old lady or young lady that, that she may be a bookkeeper, then she's good. But if the average person can't kind of dissect mm. every item. You've come up with something that I like. And that's a software program that can do the analysis for you. What you would spend hours and hours doing, you can do it in 10 minutes. Absolutely. So uh, I don't want to give you a free advertorial, but I will quickly. <laughs> Uh, what is your product called and how does it work quickly? It's, it's called uh, S4 De Facto. Mm. Uh, De Facto means an actual fact. Mm. And it, it came about because uh, Craig Bailey here said uh, he was impressed with the information we, we put forward. He said, Jeepers, this is, this is great. If you- I load all the information into there, is that going to be the trick to give up to the magistrate very quickly so that he, can, he doesn't spend hours Absolutely. trying to sift through nonsense. It's, it's yeah. the first time that you can actually see where money's been spent. That's yeah. the bottom line. You, okay. an, an S4cloud.co.za. Yeah, there's S4cloud is the holding mm-hmm. company, and the, yeah. the product is S4 de facto. And basically, you get an income report per, per person and a spending overview per person. So now you can see different categories and subcategories. And for the first time, you can actually see where money's been spent. Isn't there something... A, to, to, to the advantage, to the great advantage of a claimant, Felicity. No, it absolutely is. Yes. Okay. Because I've been in court, in the maintenance courts, where papers are thrown up to the magistrate. He's supposed to himself look at bank statements. He doesn't know what's going on. He hasn't got mm. the time. The maintenance officer hasn't got the time. No one has. We want it neat on a spreadsheet up. This is the bottom line. And the magistrate can see at a glance mm-hmm. what, the, uh, what the amount is or should be. Mm. I mean, here again, this is civil society and people who are having to come up with these. The Department of Justice should have done this long ago. Yeah, well, maybe you <laughs> should sell this because there are a lot of people indigent that can't afford the Well, that's program. exactly it. Yeah. I mean, um, sure. if you yeah. take the poverty level in this country and uh, the unemployed level in this country, you cannot expect marginalized people who are having to flip a coin twice mm. on what food to buy and when to buy it to then have to go and purchase something mm. like this that is critical. I think mm. this is a product that should be offered by the, the maintenance officer. Yes. You know, put Absolutely. your information in there and it Absolutely. pops up. Uh, yeah. mm. So, so, so I've, yeah. I've already been to the family uh, office uh, yeah. in Pretoria, the same, same people that uh, Felicity. Family Advocates yeah, Office. Family yeah. Advocates Office. And I've, and I've proposed an entire system for them for maintenance calculations, divorce calculations, their paperwork and their filing. How do they receive you? Um, they, they absolutely love it. 
mm. and they'd claim that uh, we've got no money. Exactly. Budget. Yeah. So, so that's that's what they mm. said. And, it's a tragedy, and, isn't it? Yeah. And so there's there's a whole host of solutions on the table. In essence, to help the poor person out mm. there who's who's being taken advantage of and being exploited. One thing that I I really do want to talk about is the self-employed asshole. That says he's got nothing. Business is bad. Mm. How do you deal with that? And uh, you're one of those attorneys that act for these assholes, uh, Craig Bailey, or some of them. Um, <laughs> you get away with murder often. You're a specialist at this. Uh, <laughs> that's your job, and that's how you get paid. There are people that defend murderers that get paid as well. well actually, I, I'm more often it's the other way around. Is it the other way around? The yeah. lady yeah. who's in the position with the self-employed. Husband, yes, but yes, that is a very special creature, mm. um, and you are very reliant upon the maintenance investigator and the functions they carry out to get the information. But you very often are not going to get it voluntarily yeah. from this person. So the maintenance investigator, in terms of the act, has powers to subpoena any institution to obtain information. But the problem is the system is failing us. Mm. At Randburg, as Brian mentioned. There were previously two maintenance investigators because one of them has moved on. There's only one left, and his mm. workload is so tremendous that he cannot get down to getting those mandates If you out. believe that your, that your husband, if you're a female, your husband has got shares in such and such a company or he's got a bank account somewhere, you need to subpoena that, don't Correct. you, because he denies it. Correct. So a subpoena should be issued out of the maintenance officer's uh, office, and the information should be brought to court. How do you – you can't get that subpoena out. Is that the problem? Strictly speaking, in terms of Section 6 of the Maintenance yeah. Act and the powers given to the maintenance officer, they have an investigator who assists them, and that person has to carry out whatever mandate the invest, sorry, the officer gives to them, mm. which would be to subpoena the companies for the share registers, etc. Unfortunately, and most of the time when you go to a trial, which is in a Section 10, the attorney has to themselves issue out the subpoenas and subpoena the entities mm. Duke has taken to bring the documents to court. So you actually do that for claimants? You, you issue the subpoenas Correct. yourself? That has to yeah. then be issued, but the, the reality is that a maintenance inquiry, inquiry for these high-level individuals becomes almost akin to a insolvency inquiry because mm. you're dealing with volumes and lever arch files. Um, <laughs> the documents are tremendous. If you can, if you're one of those fortunate that can afford an attorney, uh, do you reckon that people should go to an attorney? I certainly advise that you do. Mm. The the difficulty is if you are unrepresented, as we've heard, you don't generally know what your rights are and what the remedies are mm. to certain situations. Although I have found, in my experience, that the lower income earners matters are resolved more expeditiously. Yes, because there's not mm. as much to hide, so mm. it, it's more simple to assess. The, the situation. So the fact that someone's self-employed doesn't mean all is lost. No, um, no not at all. Uh, but unfortunately, you've got to issue a whole host of subpoenas, Correct. and and that is that's a problem on its own unless you have an attorney to help you with it. Correct. The maintenance court should help you, but they over overloaded. Unfortunately, and who pays for the for the subpoena to be served, and who who does all that? In terms of the act, the state is supposed to yes. carry that cost. But yes. unfortunately, as you know, as an attorney, a lot of these burdens are being placed onto us as attorneys to carry out the functions. So the client then has to pick up the cost of the subpoena and the sheriff's return of service. There's a woman called Samantha. She's one of your members. She said there that 
the Department of Justice should improve their staff. And she says something here. She, they must stop telling moms to use toweling nappies for babies. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's apparently what's going on. You don't need, uh, normal, you don't need the pampers and that, just get toweling uh, nappies. But it's not just yeah. that, it's opinions that yeah. are being given instead of making legal, um, meeting the legal requirements. Yes. So uh, women are going there and they're being told to get cheaper accommodation because shame he can only afford X. Mm. Look, mm. we all know when relationships end mm. that you've now got two sets of expenses. You've now got two. Uh, we all understand that. But the portion going towards supporting the children is born mainly by the primary caregiver, which in this mm. country is majority women. Mm. And the majority of women earn less than men do. And the, the greater portion of unemployed people in this country are women. Mm. So when you look at all of that, who is, who is, is, is carrying the brunt end of this? Yeah. Craig, you wanted to talk about the Constitutional Court, or is, do you yes. have a few minutes for that one? And how the Concord has seen this whole Certainly. issue. Certainly. Yeah. Um, in 2002, there was a judgment, Bannatyne versus Bannatyne, mm. where the Commission for Gender Equality was joined as the amicus curiae. Mm. And the Commission for Gender... That's a friend of the court. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the... The friend of the court submitted a lot of information regarding the deficiencies in the maintenance system, mm -hmm. which was noted by the Constitutional Court in which they um, obviously were indebted to the Commission for that information. Mm -hmm. But the, the long and the short of it is that in terms of that information that was submitted, it shows that there are huge problems in the maintenance system which a maintenance debtor can manipulate to his advantage. Mm, as we know. As we As 50,000 people Correct. know, mm. yeah. And in this particular matter, the claimant had gotten divorced in 1999. Not even a year later, she was faced with non-payment and she was in the maintenance system, mm. which ultimately all of her attempts in the maintenance system, save for one occasion, failed. Mm -hmm. She was failed by the system and she went to the High Court at the time to have her ex-husband committed for contempt of court. Committed it, being meaning being sent to jail. Contempt of court sent yeah. to jail, yes. Yeah. Which the High Court granted the order. It then went to the Supreme Court of Appeal, which then overturned the committal. And she then petitioned the Constitutional Court, where they then debated the rights of, of women and children, mm. Section 28 of the Constitution, and obviously that all matters affecting minor child's ma children sorry, must have their best interests at heart. Mm. So ultimately they then dealt with the deficiencies in the I mean, system. we're going back 16 years. Correct. Yeah. And mm. still their deficiencies. The Regrettably, <laughs> yes. nothing much has changed. Craig, if, if someone is not paying their maintenance, the, the thing that everyone wants is that, he, that the fucker go to jail. Mm. Sit, sit, you know, just go there into a cell to teach you a jolly good lesson. Consequences. Is, yeah. Is that available? Yes, it is. And is it's it? It's happened. Yes. Is uh, it happened or is it happening? It is happening, but yes. it's generally by and large in the high court. So on your decree of divorce, you would typically apply for contempt of court in terms of the decree. And very often, judges are issuing out committal orders. Okay, so that's in the high court if Correct. you can afford to get there. Correct. In the low court, in the magistrate's court, uh, in the maintenance court, I've you shake your head, yes. No. Yeah. There are arrests yeah. 
but they for contempt of court for not appearing in court. Mm. Now that's a travesty. So the if fact a man, that you yeah. are abusing your children financially yeah. is just like we'll just you see yeah, the we'll problem. Forgive is, that, but if you don't come to okay, court, you'll the, go to jail. Yeah, sure, Gary. The yeah. problem is they're issuing directives now, mm. which doesn't have. Doesn't, there, there's no criminal consequence to not complying with a directive. So a directive yes. is essentially an invitation to come to court. Mm. And damn, if you don't come, maybe as on the third time we might start getting a bit grumpy about this and now issue a subpoena. Only then can a warrant of arrest be issued mm. for not coming to court. Okay, so bear in mind... Sorry, if you're not paying your maintenance, you invited to come back to court to explain why. Yes. But you won't go to jail for that. No, 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 no. Yeah. And this can take... Bearing in mind with the workload in the courts, a minimum of three months between each thing. Mm. So you go and you apply, then you get a date for three months down the line. Mm. You sit there the whole day and they go, sorry, the directive was served, but he didn't come, or the directive wasn't served. Mm. You get another date, another three months down the line. Mm. And then it doesn't. So in you the can meantime, you, you're struggling. You've got Correct. no money. Exactly. Mm. And, and the, the man's riding around in his fancy car Correct. and with his new girlfriend and going to restaurants. Life moves on. How selfish. Yes. And, and yeah. when, he, when he lies in court as well, mm. uh, that's known as yeah. perjury. And so that, that crime of perjury is also, uh, there's no consequence yeah. in a magistrate court. You have to be in a higher court in order to press charges and for the person to go to jail for perjury. Because we've experienced where there's been a complete lie on the amount of income that this person mm. Allegedly earns, and it's 190,000 rand uh, more than what was stated in months, uh, you know, covering months where there's zero maintenance paid. So it's, mm. a, it's a big frustration. What about a garnishee order attaching his salary? Is that available? Okay, I'm going to say mm. this up front because this includes garnishee orders, directors, and everything. Okay, so there's very particular laws around garnishee orders. So the garnishee order is served on, on the employer. Mm. Okay. It's up to the employer to implement the garnishy order. It's up to the employer to notify the courts should the person leave. Should the person leave. Mm. Mm. That is not happening and there's no consequences to that. So the only time you become aware that the person has left their job is when there's no maintenance. Mm. You then go and go. And also it's taking three to four months to get a garnishy order implemented. Mrs. Joe Soap is having to go and phone the employer and go, why have you not instituted the garnishy order? We're going to end off in a few minutes. Give us some positivity. What's the answer in the next few minutes? Okay, yeah. um, this is the impact that, that we've had. Okay, mm. There is one court who the court manager joined my group, and I have a, I've developed quite a close relationship with her. Mm. She then added all her maintenance officers onto the group. Yeah. We have no complaints about that court. It's not to say that there aren't challenges. Yes, there's like lots of cases, but they're aware, the court managers are aware, and the maintenance officers are aware of what our experiences are in the court. Mm. And they are working collectively. If, she, if there's something, she'll go, can you please tell the person to come and see me? Lovely, and I've, lovely. And I've got this yeah. with two court managers yeah. because that was my thing to the family advocate. How, how many people f- kind of fill... If, um, uh, fall under that jurisdiction? Are we talking millions? Large. Or? Yeah. Is it yeah, a big area? It's a big area. It's a very yeah. big area. It's probably one of the busiest courts. Is, it a, is it a Cape area? No, no, it's up here. Oh, really? So yeah. I, I had a three-hour meeting with quite a senior person at the NPA the last time I was here, mm. and I went to her going, can we work together and find solutions? Mm. She was absolutely open to it, and we've started that process. My thing at the Family Advocates Office is, can we work together? Can we find solutions together? Can we come on board 
and it was well received and there's mm. a commitment to do that. You and for are, me, you that's are, positive. You're an NGO. You're not funded by anyone and yet uh, you spend your life doing this. Well, I've bankrupted myself, yes, but this is mm. bigger than me because mm. this affects over 20 million people in this country and if I don't do this, who's going to do it? This change will happen very quickly because I will start getting very aggressive. Stephanie <laughs> Temer says, thank you, Felicity. God bless you and everyone who made it possible for you to get to the meeting in Pretoria. Yeah. Mm. I pray the pre- precious blood of our Heavenly Father over each and every one. And she gives you a moi. Yeah. And, and Zelfa Sahi, thank you. Doesn't even begin to say how much we all appreciate what you do for us. Okay. And it goes on and on and on. People are so grateful to yeah. you. Uh, with your 50,000 members. It's marvelous. Keep going. Keep up Thank the good you. work. And you are making a difference, Lines. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Um, I take off my hat for you. Thank, Thank you so very much because your work is going to impact so many other women out there who are actually disempowered because of the bullying that they receive from their husbands. But thank you. Keep up doing the good work. And where possible, we'll keep on uh, championing for you. If you get told by a maintenance officer that you must use toweling nappies instead of what do you call them tampers? Yeah. What do you tell them? Fuck off. Lado <laughs> <laughs> said that. No, like, what the hell? Uh, like, to our specialist family law attorney, Craig Bailey, many thanks. I know how busy you are, Craig, and we appreciate you being here. Yeah, yeah if you need a good family law attorney, this is the guy. You've been doing it for years and years. Absolutely. You're a good man. He's a good man. He's, he's, he's great. He's yeah. great. There you have one of your clients. Brian Mallory, I think you've got a good product. Try and sell it in to be. government, yeah, if you can. Do you have Otherwise, a B- Partner? <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just. <laughs> it just has. Yeah. Good. Many thanks to all of you. Uh, Steph, before we, you, you get the last word before we let you go and thank you a million times for choosing Cliff Central for flying up to be with us. It's absolutely, whoever funded you or helped you get here, mm. uh, our hats off to them. A bouquet to you for all the good stuff. Really, people like you make a massive difference. Yes. It's just amazing. Okay, yeah. so I was just this ordinary person, and I really encourage everybody to pick up a pebble and throw it in the pond. Mm. It doesn't matter what space you are. I happen to work in a particular area, which is maintenance. Pick up a pebble, throw it in the pond. Mm. And don't worry where the ripples are going to go. They're going to go somewhere. Mm. As a South African, I'm not getting onto no rowboat and going to Europe. I'm committed to this country. I believe in Ubuntu. And I've grown enormously through this. I'm hugely grateful. I've learned Mm. so much about my fellow South Africans. Um, I've been humbled in so many ways. And that's it. Just pick up a pebble, throw it in whatever space you can. The ripples will go somewhere. Yeah, I've just got one minute to say that the average age of divorce is 37 for women and 42 for men. Mm. There you go. And most divorces occur after five to nine years of marriage. And 19% of divorces happen after 10 to 14 years. I hope I'm not scaring the newlyweds. (laughs) Uh, The average age of divorce is 37 for women. What age did you get divorced? Uh, 52. Oh, goodness, you look great. Okay, cool. To our listeners, especially to you, many thanks for listening. I hope this uh, is a positive show for you. I'm sure it is. Yes. We've enjoyed it, Lions. Thank you, bye. Yeah, cool. See yeah. you next week. Cheers. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.